Well, top of the morning to you. I greet you in the strong name of Jesus. And um, just as a quick acknowledgement, I wanted to say again that uh, every time I have the opportunity to uh, share for this congregation, it is an absolute privilege. And uh, usually when I I get to share, I I know about 5 o'clock in the morning, I know that uh, Pastor Tim is going to send me a text that says, Hey, bud, I'm praying for you. Now, I have not had five seconds to look at my phone today, so I have no idea if it is there. But isn't it a fantastic feeling to know and understand that it's definitely what he's doing right now? And that's special. So um, we are grateful for, um, again, this opportunity, but also uh, to the McClellan family. Thank you for being here this morning, Cynthia. And uh, we love you guys very much. So we are in our Changed series still. We're going to talk about changed relationships, particularly pertaining to the marriage relationship. And I'm going to go uh, just between a few passages, but I'm going to keep my focus on 1 Peter chapter 3. So if you want to get a couple of steps ahead of me, um, that's where we'll be the most. But um, also, the trajectories I'm sharing today mostly come from um, a lot of what we've been studying in our Sunday school course, our growing marriage class. This is the most shameless plug I can crank out for that. So if you um, are a young family, um, young is relative. Y'all feel young. Show up anyway. I'd love to see you. But um, we gather uh, on Sunday mornings at 9.15 over here in the cafe, and we are trying to see what the Word has to say about crafting Christ-like marriages, being Christ-like parents, or at very least what a Christ-like relationship should look like. And uh, so some of those trajectories will come out of that book today. Uh, the book is uh, Love and Respect. Um, now, I know there are also very many single people in our congregation today, um, but today's message is just as much or more for you than it is our married couples. We've already looked at other areas of our lives that change because of grace for what Christ has done for us and, and what kind of changes happen when we commit to Christ, whether it's our change in identity or how we respond to authority and many others. Um, But today, we're going to discuss why the way we conduct our relationships should look different. So singles and married alike, today we're going to talk about love and respect and humility. So let me show you first a very humbling moment, at least in my life. Can we get that first picture? I want to show you guys the prettiest bride I know, okay? That's my bride, and those of you that are listening on the internet, uh, brunette, solid 10, like she can, she can not just sing, she can sang, present tense, S-A-N-G, like my wife is amazing. And I love her and cherish her. And, and those of you, again, listening in, can you imagine a face that looks like somebody about to turn the corner and receive their lottery winnings. Like, this, this face is just so full of joy and so full of, of passion. And, hey, there she is. I don't want to embarrass her this morning, but... <laughs> You're on the screen today, hey. But she's about to turn the corner, and uh, that, that kind of face tells me that she's looking forward to something. She's looking forward to something. Um, joke's on her, though. Next slide. It's me. <laughs> Now, that was my face when I saw my bride for the very, very first time in that context. Now, again, those of you that are listening on the internet, um, about 6'3", 
um, about six and a half pounds. Um, and um, right about that stage, three seconds before ugly cry. Okay? But that right there is a very, very skinny, less woodsy version of me. And I am overwhelmed to receive my bride. So you get to see the picture of a beautiful bride and a sappy groom on their wedding day for just a moment here. And so I want you guys to think along with me how God interacts with us. We've sang all morning about his love. God, Christ our groom, he is good at love. Okay? And we, the bride, we'll get to learn a little bit about respect here in just a moment. Now, culturally, we have a problem. We would consider marriage a huge part of Christian culture. There's celebration, there's thanking God, saying a lot of holy-sounding things, and um, being in a church. But people have, who have no association with Christ whatsoever or his church get married in America in what we would call a Christian-style wedding. People will pick out a church based on looks and seating capacity before they ever question what the church teaches or if they themselves are even walking in Christ. Your unsaved friends said the exact same words you did when you said your vows. Sadly enough, we also have churchgoers, believers by name, that would pursue all of their worldly desires and hope that the church would rubber stamp it with a marker called a wedding so that it could be approved. We also have people in our churches today around us that are getting married because it's just what comes next if they want to be physically intimate or stave off any of their loneliness. Don't miss this one. There are some marriages here with many, many pages in their book. Long, lengthy marriages that after a few years have become the same stale, combative mess. And they're writing it out for the kids Or they were raised knowing divorce is a sin, and so they fearfully, out of fear of God's judgment, sleep in separate rooms, or in separate beds in their room, or in the very same bed a thousand miles apart. Singles, I don't want any of this for you. I don't want that for you, and neither does God. But some of you might still say, well, it's better than being lonely or... Some might say, well, the divorce rate is the exact same Christian or not. So why not just do it my way? But today we want to discover how does someone who has been changed by God have a godly relationship? How does someone who has been changed by interaction with God and his grace interact with others in a relational way? So let's go ahead and get to 1 Peter chapter 3. I'll be reading verses 1 through 8. 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 1 through 8. And it reads like this. That is really small type. I hope you guys can see that, but I will read it nice and loud so that you can connect to it. Likewise, wives, be subject to your own husband, so that even if some do not obey the word, they may be one without a word by the conduct of their wives. When they see your respectful and pure conduct, do not let your adorning be external, the braiding of hair, the putting on of gold jewelry, or the clothing you wear, but let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart 
with the imperishable, imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which in God's sight is very precious. For this is how the holy women who hoped in God used to adorn themselves, by submitting to their husbands. As Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, and you are her children. If you go and do not fear anything that is frightening, likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life, so that your prayers might not go unhindered, or might not be hindered. Finally, all of you have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, and a humble mind. So we have two different core approaches that are illustrated in this passage. Women are told to, to be subject, or that word translates to be respectful. Women are told in this passage to show respect. Men are asked to show honor. Um, in the Greek, that word is time, which um, means value. And, and get this, ladies, stamp this on your fridge, like whatever works for you. Men are asked to show honor. This word time means to uh, find value associated with a position of reverence. Like, the Zach Bardsley abridged version of this uh, passage would just say, treat her like a queen, okay? Treat her like a queen. And so as women are told to respect, men are told to love like she's a queen. Now, men... You are not naturally good at love. That's why all of Hollywood beats the time out of us and makes so much money off of romantic comedies and all the like. You may have all the love in the world for her, but you will not show it as naturally. It doesn't mean you don't have it, but you will not show it as naturally as she will. Ladies, you are not naturally good at respect. You are great at love great at love. You care so much. But you are made by God to be different. There is nothing wrong with that. And you may be very respectful, but you will, in most cases, naturally default to love before you calculate respect. And men will naturally seek a solution that hinges on respect before they respond in love. Neither one is a sin. You will both see the same incident very differently, though. Uh, I wanted to share an incident that I saw differently, um, and it was very natural. It was very quick, um, but I remember when my son was two. Now, my son is one of the sweetest, kindest, most approachable kids you have ever met if you have met Ezekiel. I recall, though, um, we were visiting Brittany's parents one day, and another friend of the family came over and uh, they had a little boy um, that was just a couple days apart from Zeke. They were right about the same age, two years old. And they were standing in the hallway, and Zeke had been given a toy. He had just arrived, and um, he sat there and played quietly and kindly with the toy. I sat down on the couch, and um, there were some other gentlemen in that room, and the ladies were kind of all talking in another room. And I looked over at my son because I heard just a little bit of conflict going on. And the other little boy saw that my son had a toy that he wanted. And so my, my son, sitting there playing quietly, had this little boy walk up to him and yank the toy out of his hand and push him. Okay? 
Now, natural instinct, little guy, I, I could see it in Zeke's eyes like he was forming an idea, and I didn't know what to say right away, so I just, something about me, maybe I'm a little sadistic, just wanted to watch. <laughs> so this, this little boy shoves my son and takes his toy, and I see his face change, and my son looks at him like, now it is time to respond. And so he looks at him, and looks at him, <laughs> right in his jaw, just pop, drops him to the ground, okay? And then you hear it, there's the tears, ah, and there's a little thud, and then Zeke's like, what happened? Ah, <laughs> and like they're both, these two little boys are just having an absolute meltdown. Now, what do you think happened with all the moms in the next room? Is everyone okay? Is everyone okay? And here, the wave of love just pours into the room. Okay? I had a very different response. I'm, I'm kind of going, well, well, my son <coughs> was, uh, was learning about sharing and, you know, there was, uh, there was a little conflict. What was funny, though, was the other gentleman in the room goes, he had it coming. <laughs> yeah. And so, very, very different responses. The, the men, it, it's just a natural tendency. We're not immediate to love, but we're in, immediate to operate on a level of respect. And, and ladies, you immediately default to love. What an incredible thing that God has designed us with. It is the exact same incident, but with profoundly different results. I think that is significant to the way God has designed us. I think we'll have more clarity as well as uh, if we look at Paul's letter to the Ephesians in chapter 5. This is one you're probably very familiar with, one you've probably heard at just about every other wedding you've been to. If we could pull that up, hopefully this one's a little bit bigger. I'm sorry about that. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 22 through 33. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its Savior. Not as the church submits to, excuse me, now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing. That she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church. Because we are members of his body. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I'm saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. There it is again. Men love. Women respect. It's the opposite of what we kind of just observed, isn't it? Why would the word keep pushing this? I think it's because God is calling us to do something greater. God has never called someone to do something they were already great at. That has never happened. If you could find it in Scripture where somebody who was already ready to go, pumped about it and set up, super talented, got called to go do something kingdom significant, I doubt you'd find it. 
God is calling us to do something we are not already equipped to do. It's difficult. But the result is a right relationship with our spouse and a right relationship with him. Let's peek back at 1 Peter. Uh, Verse 7 said this, Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life, so that your prayers may not be hindered. First off, guys, don't, you know, high-five each other. (laughs) First off, men, you are stronger by design. And before the ladies sharpen their pitchforks and charge the stage, let's be super clear about that statement. This statement in Scripture is not, not, when it says stronger, not a statement of value. It's not a value statement, okay? Men are stronger. That doesn't mean better by any stretch of the means. Strength is defined in the Greek, asthenes, meaning they have a different physical makeup than you. End. That's it. Not a different value. If you treat your wife like she has a different value, well, we'll get to that in just a moment. So why is strength so significant? It's because men are called to lay down their lives. We're going to pull up a couple funny pictures. These are pictures snapped at the end of a haunted house. Okay? The very last jump scare at a haunted house. And there'll be just a handful of these, but I want you to notice the position of the male and the female. (laughs) Some of these made me laugh so hard. There's a couple that really get my goat here in a second. What do you see in those faces? Like, there's fear, but where is he standing? Right in front of her. Every time. Now, I I look, there's some others. I, I love it. Terrified as they can be. But where does he go? Right in front of her. I love that one. Can we leave it on that one for a second? So Joe Schmo over there is getting a chuckle out of it. He's still standing up front. It looks as though the young lady in the back is trying to take off with her mother. I'm guessing. But you, you whoo, that is, that is impressive. That is impressive. Um, do I have one more after that one as well? Let's see. Let's, let's go ahead and move on. This one I put up because I thought it was funny. This is what happens when it's just the bros. There's no ladies in this picture. And so it is just an absolute knot of nonsense, right? Like, I think he's like, hey, Jeff, I'm going to choke you out so I can run. You know, I don't, I don't know what's going on here. But did you notice that? In these haunted house pictures, when the big scare happens, no matter how terrified he was, where did you find him? Where'd you find him? Ladies, how many of you, married ladies, have heard something go bump in the night? And you do what? Hey, I heard a noise. (laughs) Or if it's my wife, it's like, hey, tomatoes are on sale. Because she talks in her sleep all the time. Like, (laughs) doesn't make a lick of sense. (laughs) But no, 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 you'll... (laughs) Married ladies, you'll roll over and you'll go, hey, I heard a noise. And 9.9 out of 10 times, when y'all do that, hey, I heard a noise, 
most of the time without words, you hear this big, deep breath and a little bit of a grunt. And he grabs his pistol or his bat or his flashlight, and he gets straight out of bed, and he checks the whole house, doesn't he? When this verse refers to women as the weaker vessel, it is not a question of value. If it was, y'all would roll over and go, Hey, I heard a noise. (laughs) And he would go, My cherished love. You are an equal creation in Christ and a strong mother and a beacon of the Lord's light in our community. You do not need my permission to go check on that noise. (laughs) Men, God has called you to die for her. He has called you to die, and there's something ingrained deep inside there, and we saw it in Ephesians chapter 5. I shared that idea with a couple once that I was talking to. They were... um, uh, both military uh, in, in nature. They, they were both in the army. And I remember sharing this with them, uh, and I, I asked them the question, if you have an intruder, who checks on it? You know, just to kind of see, just to kind of do this test, just to kind of see what was what. She, she had a very, very strong personality. But I said, if there's an intruder who gets up to check the house, and she said, oh, I could take him on. I ain't scared. Why are you acting like I can't defend myself? And of course I wasn't. I had no reason to do that. Pass. I'm not interested in that discussion. But what was great, and what really solidified my point deep in my spirit, was later, several minutes later, that same young man came up to me privately. And he said, hey man, um, the thing you asked earlier, I, I think she could hold her own, you know, but I promise you I will never let her. I will never let her. For security, we studied multiple, uh, multiple facility shootings. In the Columbine School Massacre, they found that 70% of male bodies were found on the scene hunched over a female body. Ladies in the congregation, this is for you for just a second, whether you have been married 50 years or 10 minutes or you're 12 days away? What's up, Stuart? When was the last time, as prickly and as frustrating as he can be, did you really recognize that he would die for you? And you paid him a tangible example of respect because of it. And don't dare say, oh, well, he knows I love him. Well, sure, you do. (laughs) That's the one you're good at. He's maybe just not sure you like him or that you have respect for him. Now let me push on the men here for a second. Men, did you see verse 7? Whatever contact you have with women in your life, you are to recognize that she is royalty, that she is one of God's children, God's daughter, okay? Now, my, my daughter is just about two years old, two years old this July, and she is my little chickadee. She is my little polka dot. She is my little dolly bug. And I can imagine one day her getting married. You know, I hope Jesus comes back before then and, you know, all of that. <laughs> but I can imagine one day when she gets married, 
what would happen if I found out that her husband was being unloving? Would we not have a problem? Now imagine that that unloving husband came to me and asked me for money. I got to tell you the truth, and this is a big confession. Uh, when Ellie was in the smallest nursery over here at Lakeview Preschool Child Care, I, uh, I talked with uh, one of her teachers once. This is just to give you an idea. I talked with one of her teachers once, and um, they said, well, Ellie has a little bruise. You know, so somebody pushed her. And they're, they're like a year old, and I still went, which one was he? <laughs> you know, like I, as a dad... As a father, when I see my daughter in danger, I, like, I get bristly. Men do not miss verse 7. Because if you can imagine how one simple earthly dad would treat his daughter and a man being unloving to her, I think they let us off easy in verse 7. Whatever contact with women you have in your life, it says that he doesn't listen to your prayers. Your prayers are hindered if you do not love your wife. It reminds us that if we are unloving to women, how can we, how can we commune with the Holy Spirit if we can't talk to God? How can we have brotherhood with Jesus if we can't effectively talk to God? How can we have communion with the Father if we can't talk to God? Men, love. It's the one you're not good at, but love. Ladies, let's tackle the passage for you for just a second. Again, it says, Likewise, wives, be subject to your own husbands, so that even if some do not obey the word. They may be won without a word by the conduct of their wives when they see your respectful and pure conduct. Do not let your adorning be external with the braiding of hair, the putting on of gold jewelry, or the clothing you wear, but let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is God's, in God's sight very precious. For this is how the holy women who hoped in God used to adorn themselves by submitting to their own husband. So what does that look like? A friend in our growing marriage class uh, in Sunday school, and I may butcher this story a little bit, you can correct me later, uh, shared a story about a mutual friend that we actually have, a uh, husband and wife, where the young lady had some physical trials and at one point was stuck on bed rest for quite some time. And she would have her gal pals come over. And though she did not have an ability to maneuver around the house, she would have her friends do her hair and her makeup. And you may be curious why I would tell this story when the passage literally just says, don't let your beauty be outward. The braiding of hair, the way you look. So why would I use that as an example? And of course, her friends questioned it too. Why do I come over every day and do this girl's makeup? But when asked, she replied, I just want to be beautiful for my husband. Wow. This is, that's not a pride issue. That is not vanity. What sort of inner beauty do you have to have 
to say, I have so much respect for my husband. I admire him so greatly that I do not want him to forget that I am his and he is mine. To say with the 10 seconds of energy she has to sit upright, I will offer something special to him. I share this today to help you understand what marriage really is as a tool in God's tool belt. Marriage is not just the next step for you. Marriage is not just the thing that keeps you from being lonely. It is a thousand times more valuable. Marriage is a megaphone and a magnifying glass rolled into one. It shows the deepest parts of what's actually inside you. And though it is tough sometimes, it clearly illustrates the real you. My marriage has shown me how terribly prideful I can be sometimes. It is a megaphone up next to my temper and a magnifying glass on my integrity. Single people, God has other ways of showing you what is inside of you right now. That's it. God has other ways of showing you what's inside of you right now. You don't need a megaphone or a magnifying glass right now. He has bestowed that on the marriage relationship. So do not bemoan being single. Do not rush into a relationship because to do that is to sprint up to God and say, even though I have you, I'm still lonely. Don't. Single folks, God has not yet or has not designed your megaphone so to speak. So accept with joy the growing process you are currently walking through. Today I leave you with this. This is my last little section. We'll have another little section of scripture. But I don't want to give you tips for marriage. I want us to see the model. When you are serving your spouse, men as you respect and learn to love, and women, as you love and learn to respect, you're not doing it to simply have a good relationship. In every single passage we read today, it said something very common between them. First Peter said, for this is how holy women who hoped in God used to adorn themselves. Ephesians said, wives, submit to your husbands as unto the Lord. Husbands, love as Christ. All of these passages are reminding us that the thing that makes a changed person's relationship different is that we are doing everything we do and offering it all as service to Christ. Not just to each other. Let's go to uh, our last verse here. Colossians chapter 3, verses 23 through 24. Whatever you do, Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. So men and women of the congregation, married or single, do everything you do as service to the Lord, as unto the Lord. Do your job with integrity and intentionality as unto the Lord. Minister to your community with kindness and friendship as unto the Lord. Raise your kids in the word with holy discipline 
as unto the Lord. Be a good and encouraging customer. Some of us aren't even intentional about that. But whatever you do, do it as though Christ himself stood right in front of you, especially in your marriage. Do whatever you do as if Christ were there because he is. He watches and sees you. He prays for you. He intercedes for you. He sends his Holy Spirit to enable you. And if you participate like he is present in everything you do, you will walk like a changed person, especially in relationships. So those of you that are married, can we try love or respect now that it has a name? Those of you that are single, I really genuinely hope that you saw what a Christ-like relationship looks like, even just for a minute. We could get six more sermons out of this one alone. But I hope it pointed you today that, that this word is so good. And what Christ has done for us is so good. And I'll, I'll kind of end with a little prayer here. But at the beginning, we sang over and over again how big God's love is for us, how big Christ's love is for us. And Christ, the groom, all through Scripture, he already is good at love. A groom that not only shows respect, but has become so good at love, it has changed the world so much that we keep time by him. Looks at his bride. He said, bride, honor me, respect me, follow me, obey me. I have valued you with my life. I have valued you with the life that lit heaven. So walk honoring me, walk obeying me. I'm going to say a word of prayer for us. And then I'd encourage you, stay in your seats for just another moment because we'll have one last little announcement before the benediction. Well, let's go to the Lord in prayer. And uh, even as you're bowing your heads right now, if you're here and you are married and you're sitting near, relatively near your spouse, I don't care if you're a couple seats apart or whatever, just touch them on the hand. Just for a second. You don't have to hold it even. Just, Just tap them just to let him know that you heard today how beautiful and how valuable and how critical and how awesome this interaction is that God has designed for us as a tool. Let's pray. Father, we have been given different courses of servitude to serve one another, to respect and to love. And so, Father, I pray that the relationships represented in this building and even the future relationships represented in this building would grasp that all of this is service to you. A changed relationship looks different because we're trying to serve you. And so, Father, help there to be 
wonderfully, beautifully awkward conversations at lunch today with the women, my sisters in this church, look across the table to their husbands and just go, I can't remember the last time I said I respect you. Would the men in this church humble themselves enough to just simply act in love? And Father, would it be a reflection because so many people have not seen a good reflection of what a real relationship in you looks like. And Lord, as we reap the reward that we didn't earn from it, as we reap the reward of a dead loneliness, it's gone. As we reap the reward of someone to love, to be near, to protect us, to guard us, to guide us. As we reap those rewards, help us to make those rewards completely secondary to the absolute service of your will and your way. Help us to commit our marriages to an as unto the Lord process. And Father, we can only pray these things in your name, in the name of a father who looks out over his daughters and sons and looks at them with great compassion, in the name of a son who is our brother, who has stood in the gap for us and paid our penalty, and then in the name of the Holy Spirit that enables us to do far more than we were ever capable of. We dedicate this time to you, in your name. Amen.